You're listening to Life in the A-Zone podcast. I'm Peggy Sweeney McDonald, and these are my stories of moving back to my hometown in Louisiana after 36 years to live with my father and mother when she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. These lessons of love, laughter, life, and loss are gifts of living in the A-Zone, and I'm honored to share them with you. If this is your first time here, begin the journey with Episode 1 and go forward. Thank you for joining me today. My mother has been gone for two days. Dad and I walk around in a stupor. It's hard to believe she isn't coming home. The house seems so quiet and empty, as empty as our hearts. The memory care supervisor told us to stay away for two weeks so Mom can adjust to her new routine and her new home. They told us we could call any time, so each day one of us makes the call. Your mom is doing great, they tell us. Were you able to get her into the shower? Yes. Is she eating? Yes. Can we come see her tomorrow? No, she needs a few more days to get adjusted, they tell us. This is so hard, I tell the caretaker, choking back tears. I know it is, honey, but this is the best way. It's the same message every day. She is doing well. She is eating. She is taking showers. She has made friends. The wait is excruciating. Is she really happy there? Is she angry with us? How can we stay away? We are all going crazy with the wait. Life moves forward. I go to work. I cook dinner. I clean. I wash clothes, including her last dirty clothes I find in the hamper. After dinner, I lay on the old green sofa by myself and watch TV. Dad sits across the room reading. Jimmy is upstairs in his den watching his TV. This is our new norm. We no longer have to struggle with Mom. I'm missing the struggle. I'm missing my mom. Do you think I can take your mother out of memory care on Thursday night and take her to see Jersey Boys? We bought tickets a few months ago with the Fairwood Group, Dad told me at dinner the day after we moved Mom. The Fairwood Group has been friends for over 50 years. They all belonged to Fairwood Country Club when we were young. They played tennis and golf. The country club is long gone, but their friendship has survived. No, Dad, you can't do that. She was looking forward to it. It's one of her favorite Broadway shows, he tells me. Let me see what my sisters think. I'll text them, I tell him. No, he can't do that. Not a good idea. He will never be able to get her to go back to the memory care if he takes her out, they text me. He looks sad and lost. I guess I will just give the tickets away. Dad, I will go with you. I'd love to go with you. Okay. My parents have seen the Jersey Boys play several times, in New York, in New Orleans, and the movie a few years ago. Mom loves all the Frankie Valley songs. She would have loved to see it again with all of her good friends. This really sucks. Do you want to go get something to eat before the play? I asked Dad. No, we can just eat at home before we go downtown. I understand. My dad doesn't know how to live life without my mom. None of us know how to live our lives without mom. The void is real and cruel. He feels like a widower. 
but his wife hasn't died. She just disappeared slowly until she was a woman he no longer recognized. She is now living across town, and he can't even visit her until the memory care gives us the green light. On Thursday evening, we drive downtown to see the play. As we walk into the theater, the friendly Fairwood faces light up when they see us. I love this group of friends. How are you, Miles? They ask Dad with loving concern in their eyes. They know Mom has been moved to memory care, and they can't imagine what we are going through. A few of the women even have tears in their eyes. I'm glad you came with your dad, they tell me. I need their hugs. They all stand and hug us as we slide through the road to our seats. This play will be a good distraction, I think. Take us away from our reality for a few special hours. It works until the Jersey boys sing Sherry Baby. I grab Dad's hand and I start to cry. This is Mom's song. The words, Sherry Baby, Can You Come Out Tonight, hits hard. My mom, Sherry Sweeney, can no longer come out. I'm sitting in her seat for one of her favorite plays. I just know all of her friends are thinking the same thing. Sherry Baby, we miss you. We do end up enjoying the show. It's hard not to enjoy Jersey Boys. But the undercurrent of sadness of being here without mom colors the experience. However, seeing the Fairwood friends is a shot in the arm. They all love mom and ask us to let them know when they can go visit as we stand in the lobby saying our goodbyes. Your mom would have loved this, Dad says as we pull out of the parking lot. I know, Dad. Let's get her one of those Alexa dots for her room and set up a Frankie Valley Pandora station. That's a great idea, Peggy. I'll go buy one tomorrow. By Sunday, Dad decides he's going to visit Mom. He doesn't care that it's only been one week. He needs to see her. The guilt and grief are tearing him up. I want to bring her the Alexa. I want her to be able to listen to her favorite music. And off he goes to the memory care facility. Dad arrives at lunchtime. He sits at the table with her and they bring him a lunch plate. She gives him the cold shoulder at first when she sees him, but finally warms up. After lunch, he goes with her to watch a movie with the group. She reaches over and holds his hand. The caretakers are friendly and give Mom lots of attention. He walks her back to her room and she lays down on her bed and falls asleep. He reads for a little while, then quietly slips out of the room. Before he leaves, he goes to see the supervisor. She tells Dad that the first few days, Mom was very angry. She paced the hallway and actually convinced someone leaving that she was just visiting. They let her out of the memory care door, and the front receptionist noticed her walking towards the main entrance and stopped her. She was pissed and furious with us for placing her here, and even angrier with the staff. She's doing much better now, she says. I think we did the right thing, Dad tells me later that night, but I can tell he's having a hard time believing that. Can I go see her? I ask him. I think so. Ask your sisters. They don't want us to overwhelm her, so only one sister at a time, Shannon tells us. We coordinate days by text. I was scared the first time I visited Mom, but once I saw her, I was fine. I was grateful to see her smile to feel her hug, 
to sit and hold her hand. I joined in the activities. I sat with her at a table and we colored. I did most of the talking, but that was nothing new. Mom hadn't been talking that much anyway. Dad goes to visit Mom every day. Soon my sisters are no longer coordinating with each other. We just go when we can. We run into each other sometimes. One sister is coming while the other is leaving. Sometimes we're there at the same time, and Mom loves the commotion. We sit in her room. We eat her snacks. We tell her stories. We pull out the picture books and flip through them with her. We play music on her Alexa, Barbara Streisand, Celine Dion, and Frankie Valley Pandora stations. One afternoon, there's a one-man band, and I sit with Mom. Soon, I pull her up and we dance. We laugh. She smiles at her new friends, and the caretakers seem to love her. I'm not surprised. Everyone always loved my mom. She was always the light in the room. She always made everyone feel special. Our family friends came to see her one afternoon, and as they were walking through the assisted living area to get to the memory care door, they saw a band playing and people dancing in the dining room. It looked like fun, so when they found Mom sitting in her room alone, staring at her TV, they decided they should take her to hear the music. They didn't know the protocol, so they just walked her out. Soon she was clapping, smiling, and moving to the music. Before long, she was dancing with one of the workers. When they went to leave, she told them, "Go ahead, I'm going to stay." They left, not realizing that she had no idea how to get back to memory care. The staff found her wandering around the halls and immediately called Dad, instructing him to please tell his friends they must sign her out and in from the memory care and bring her back to her room. When he told me, I had to laugh. It tickled me as it seemed exactly like something Mom would do. She may have Alzheimer's, but her spirit had not been broken. Dad called our friends, and they were horrified. They felt awful about it. I could overhear the phone conversation. Let me talk to them. I said, "They had no idea my mom's disease was this bad." I reassured them that she was fine and told them we needed a laugh. I don't think I had laughed in several months. It's now been three months since we moved my mother to memory care. I think as I pull into the driveway to visit her. I sit in the car for a few minutes, checking my phone for texts, calls, Facebook, Instagram, anything to avoid going inside. It's still hard to believe that Mom lives here. It seems like we have failed her. I have failed her. I know she's getting better care here, but it's still hard to swallow the reality that my mom is never coming home. They say it takes ninety days for a new habit to get easier. This isn't getting easier. This is getting harder. Each time I see my mom, her eyes are more distant, her body a little frailer. She barely smiles. She hardly speaks. As I walk the path from the parking lot to the entrance, I wonder what is more painful: coming home each day to find her arguing with Dad pre-memory care, or seeing her here with other Alzheimer's patients who are a lot worse than she is. Everywhere you look, it's a reminder of what's to come. I sign in at the front desk. The receptionist is young, perky, and always greets me with a smile. To the right of the reception desk is the lounge, where some of the assisted living patients sit and play cards. 
I hear a couple of the ladies laugh and gossip as they sip their iced tea and eat snacks provided at the bar. I wish my mom was one of them. Some days they have a happy hour here and serve wine or beer, and on those days the lounge is packed. My dad has brought mom here on occasion to the happy hours and to the activity room when they have live music. She seems to enjoy it. Music always makes my mother come alive. I walk up the stairs to the memory care door and check my phone for the security code. It changes every week. I punch in the secret code on the door to gain access. The door opens automatically and I walk briskly in as the door will shut in just a few seconds and if you hold it open, a loud alarm goes off. I know this because it happened to me countless times, and each time workers would come running to make sure none of the Alzheimer's patients escaped. This is a lockdown unit. Stepping through these doors a few months ago, my mom lost any independence she had left. We are no longer visiting mom on a daily basis. The staff told us that every time we left, mom would get agitated and it would take them a day or two to get her back to her new norm, whatever that is. Dad has cut down his visits to every other day. Today I find my mom sitting with one of her Alzheimer's patient friends in the common living room. They are both holding baby dolls. Miss Alma is a lovely sweet woman and usually has both of these baby dolls in her arms. She carries them around everywhere she goes. In the corner of the living room there is a baby crib with baskets of baby clothes. We were told that Alzheimer's patients love playing with dolls and it brings them comfort. My mom looks up and sees me. Her face lights up and she says, There's my girl. Today she doesn't remember my name, but I'm okay being her girl. I sit next to her and kiss her and she shows me the baby doll. Isn't she precious? She gushes. She's adorable, Mom. Can I hold the baby? Sure and she hands me the baby doll. We watch the news and I make small talk. She asks, Where's Dad been? He hasn't come to visit me in ages. He's busy working, Mom. I know that he was here at lunch today. One of the caretakers comes to take them to dinner. I walk Mom into the dining room and sit with her. She taps the top of her lips with her right fingers. She's been doing this for years. I know now that this helps with her anxiety. It's one of those weird quirks that drove all of us crazy, especially my dad. Being hard of hearing, it was difficult to understand her when she was speaking with her hands over her mouth. He would tell her to stop doing it. She would get upset and embarrassed. It breaks my heart thinking about it now, but dad was doing the best he could. The dining room attendant sets a plate of roast beef, mashed potatoes, and peas in front of mom. She just stares at the food. I hand her the fork. It looks delicious, Mom. I encourage her to eat a few bites. She then pushes the plate away. She tries the banana pudding, then shakes her head and pushes it away, too. She has decided dinner is over. Frustrated, I take a few bites. It's pretty good. I'd finish it as I'm hungry, but I'm embarrassed to eat my mom's food. Miss Kathleen, a cute little Irish woman, sits across the table from us. I need a glass of milk. If I could only get a glass of milk, then I could go to bed, she says over and over. The attendant tells her she can't have milk because of her medicine. She puts her head down in her hands and starts to cry. It is heartbreaking. 
Just give her a freaking glass of milk, I think. I can't bear to watch this little lady cry anymore, and I stand up. Mom, are you ready to go back to your room? Okay. I help her up, and we walk away. Why won't they let her have any milk? Mom says to me. I don't know, Mom. We walk to her room down the hall. I turn the TV on. She lays down on the bed. I notice her plants need watering and jump up to water them. I look in her closet and organize her clothes. She's missing one of her shoes. One of her sweaters is in the dirty clothes hamper. I take it out. It really needs to be hand washed. I'll take it home and wash it. In fact, I'll leave it at home. I realize I shouldn't have brought the sweater, but I can't help myself. I keep wanting to bring her things from the house that may bring her a moment of joy. Another level of denial peels away. My mom doesn't need anything fancy. She doesn't need any of her really nice clothes. She just needs the pull-up pants, long-sleeve cotton shirts, and slip-on shoes. The bare essentials. The lovely nurse Crystal comes in to give mom her meds. I like her a lot. She has a great bedside manner and a beautiful smile. She is the medicine fairy. What is this for? Mom asks. It's your medicine, Mom. Oh, okay. She smiles at Crystal and takes the medicine and swallows it. She likes Crystal. It seems so much easier for Crystal to get Mom to take her meds. We would fight at home every morning and every night. It was a major ordeal. Exhausting. What's Crystal's magic touch? Crystal tells me some days are better than others. Occasionally, she crushes Mom's meds and stirs them into a small cup of pudding. A caretaker comes in to help Mom get into her nightgown and get ready for bed. I know I'm just in the way at this point, so it's my cue to leave. I kiss her good night. I love you, Mom. Good night. I'll see you tomorrow. I say it knowing that I won't be here tomorrow. It's too painful. It's too sad. My visits have dwindled down to only two times a week. Bye, she says to me. I'm amazed at how my mom has accepted this as her new home. She has never asked me to take her home. I'm glad as I wouldn't know how to deal with it, but it is so sad. Doesn't she want to come home? I walk down the hall. It's 6.30 p.m. and the Alzheimer's residents are all being put to bed like little children. I punch in the security code and exit the unit. I walk down the stairs, out the door, down the path to the parking lot. I'm just putting one foot in front of the other, trying to get to the car before I cry. I pass a woman on the path who's about my age and is going to visit her loved one. We smile lamely at each other. We know we are part of a club. Daughters who are tragically losing their mothers day by day. We need to get my mom her own baby dolls, I think, as I drive home in tears. Shannon had mentioned it last month, but none of us have bought her one. I would feel so much better knowing that she has something to hug when she goes to sleep. The next week, my Aunt Margaret and her daughter Cindy visit Mom. They bring her two twin baby dolls, a boy and a girl, with cute outfits and blankets. Mom loves them. The next time I visit, she can't wait to bring me to her room to show me her adorable babies. We both sit holding a baby doll. She talks to them sweetly. She pulls the hat off the baby and then puts it back on. We talk about how precious they are. She smiles at them. I love seeing her this happy.
My mom isn't talking much, but when you give her the baby doll, she comes alive and has coherent conversations about the babies. The baby dolls are a lifeline. When my mom was a little girl, her mother would take the bus on Sunday mornings to pick up a baby from the local New Orleans orphanage. She would take the baby home for the day, and mom and her would play with the baby all day. My mother loved these babies. If she didn't like their names, she would rename the baby for the day. One baby had a very old-fashioned name, like Hazel or Josephine, and they called her Peggy. She was one of their favorites. When I was born, Mom called me Peggy. I was her first real baby doll, her first child, her oldest daughter of four girls. I was born 13 months after my parents got married. My mom couldn't wait to have a baby and told me she cried the first few months every time she got her period. My mom is a baby whisperer. She loves babies. Her babies, her grandbabies, her friends' babies, and her friends' grandbabies. She loves to talk about babies. She loves to look at pictures of babies. I keep thinking about the day my niece Mackenzie told us she was pregnant last summer. The entire family met for Sunday brunch at a favorite Mexican restaurant. Mackenzie wanted Mom to sit right next to her. She and her husband Eric announced it by pulling out a picture of the ultrasound. Mom's face lit up like a Christmas tree. She was so excited as this baby would be her first great-grandbaby. She cried tears of joy. Mackenzie is due in April and having a boy they will call Trip. I hope my mom gets to meet him. Mom is tired and lays down on her bed. I lay down next to her and we each cuddle a baby doll. I ask Alexa to play relaxing piano music. Soon my mom is sound asleep. I slip out of the bed, placing my baby doll next to hers. I lean over and kiss her. I love you, Mom. Good night. Sleep tight. Don't let the bed bugs bite. I remember my mom tucking me in as a child and saying that, I think, as I walk out of her room and close the door. I wanted to stay with Mom and hold her all through the night. Instead, I'm going home to her home a home that was once filled with so much life. I longed for the days when I would come visit in Baton Rouge. She would cook my favorite meals and my sisters would come over with the kids. They would pull out the toys from the closet under the stairs. The house would be filled with laughter, kids shrieking, and the brother-in-laws goofing on all of us girls. I miss those days. I miss the sounds of life in a house that is now quiet and empty. My mom's spirit was fierce. The love she had for her family was unending and sometimes overwhelming, but it was constant and unconditional. I look back now and realize how much I took my mom's love for granted. I would even take a hard day with her right now just to have her home. When I walk into the house, I go into her closet and pull out her old red robe that is still hanging there. After showering, I put on the robe. It still smells like my mom's favorite perfume. The red robe has to be the substitute for my mom tonight. All the little reminders of her in better days are everywhere, but they are not enough to fill 
my breaking heart. Thank you for joining me for Life in the A-Zone. Look for new episodes each Wednesday. Please share, subscribe, like, comment, and follow on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To join my mailing list, go to lifeintheA-zone.com and check out my best-selling book, Meanwhile, back at Cafe Dumont, Life Stories About Food, at Amazon and Barnes & Noble.